Chapter Eleven of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven. The midnight heavens, decked with countless stars, spanned with their cloudless azure vault the flat plains of the eastern delta and the city of Sukkoth, called by the Egyptians from their sanctuary the place of the god tomb or pithom the march night was drawing towards its end pallid mists floated over the canal the work of hebrew bondmen which as far as the eye could reach intersected the plain watering the fields and pasture along its course eastward and southward the sky was shrouded by dense veils of mist that rose from the large lakes and from the narrow estuaries that ran far up into the isthmus the hot and dusty desert wind which the day before had swept over the parched grass and the tents and houses of sukkoth had subsided at nightfall and the cool atmosphere which in march even in egypt precedes the approach of dawn made itself felt whoever had formerly entered between midnight and morning the humble frontier hamlet with its shepherd tents wretched hovels of nile mud and by no means handsome farms and dwellings would scarcely have recognized it now even the one noticeable building in the place besides the stately temple of the sun-god tomb the large fortified storehouse presented at this hour an unfamiliar aspect its long whitewashed walls it is true glimmered through the gloom as distinctly as ever but instead of towering as usual at this time mute and lifeless above the slumbering town the most active bustle was going on within and around it it was intended also as a defense against the predatory hordes of the Shasu, who had made a circuit around the fortified works on the isthmus and its indestructible walls contained an egyptian garrison who could easily defend it against a force greatly superior in numbers Today it looked as if the sons of the desert had assailed it but the men and women who were bustling about below and on the broad parapet of the gigantic building were hebrews not chassu with loud outcries and gesticulations of delight they were seizing the thousands of measures of wheat barley rye and dura the stores of pulse dates and onions they found in the well-filled granaries and even before sunset had begun to empty the storerooms and put their contents into sacks pails and skins trays jugs and aprons which were let down by ropes or carried to the ground on ladders the better classes took no share in this work but among the busy throng despite the lateness of the hour were children of all ages carrying away in pots jugs and dishes borrowed from their mother's cooking utensils as much as they could above beside the unroofed openings of the storerooms into which the stars were shining and also at the foot of the ladders women held torches or lanterns to light the others at their toil pans of blazing pitch were set in front of the strong locked doors of the real fortress and in their light armed shepherds were pacing to and fro when heavy stones or kicks belabored the brazen bound door from within and threats were uttered in the egyptian tongue the hebrews outside did not fail to retort in words of mockery and scorn on the day of the harvest festival during the first evening watch runners arrived at sukkoth and announced to the israelites whose numbers were twenty-fold greater than those of the Egyptians, that they had quitted Tanis in the morning, and the tribes intended to leave at night. Their kindred in Sukkoth 
must be ready to go forth with them. There was great rejoicing among the Hebrews, who, like those of their blood in the city of Ramesses, had assembled in every house at a festive repast, on the night of the new moon after the vernal equinox, when the harvest festival usually began. The heads of the tribes had informed them that the day of liberation had arrived, and the Lord would lead them into the promised land. Here, too, as in Tanis, many had been faint-hearted and rebellious, and others had endeavored to separate their lot from the rest and remain behind. But here, too, they were carried away by the majority. Eleazar, the son of Aaron, and the distinguished heads of the tribe of Judah, Hur and Nashon, had addressed the multitude, as Aaron and Nun had done in the city of Ramesses. But Miriam, the virgin, the sister of Moses, had gone from house to house, everywhere awakening the fire of enthusiasm in men's hearts, and telling the women that the morrow's son would usher in for them and their children a new day of happiness, prosperity, and freedom. Few had been deaf to the appeals of the prophetess. There was an air of majesty which compelled obedience in the bearing of this maiden, whose large black eyes, surmounted by heavy dark eyebrows, which met in the middle, pierced the hearts of those on whom her gaze was bent, and seemed to threaten the rebellious with their gloomy radiance. The members of every household went to rest after the festival, with hearts uplifted and full of hope. But what a change had passed over them during the second day, the night that followed it, and the next morning! It seemed as though the desert wind had buried all their courage and confidence, in the dust it swept before it. The dread of going forth to face an unknown future had stolen into every heart, and many a man who had waved his staff, full of trust and joyful enterprise, was now held, as if with clamps and fetters, to his well-tilled garden, the home of his ancestors, and the harvest in the fields, which had just been half-gathered. The Egyptian garrison in the fortified storehouse had not failed to notice that the Hebrews were under some special excitement, but they supposed it due to the harvest festival. The commander of the garrison had learned that Moses desired to lead his people into the wilderness, to offer sacrifices to their god, and had asked for a reinforcement. But he knew nothing more. For until the morning when the desert wind blew, no Hebrew had disclosed the plans of his kindred. But the more sorely the heat of the day oppressed them, the greater became the dread of the faint-hearted of the pilgrimage through the hot, dusty, waterless desert. The terrible day had given them a foretaste of what was impending, and when, toward noon, the dust grew thicker, the air more and more oppressive, a Hebrew trader, from whom the Egyptian soldiers purchased goods, stole into the storehouse to ask the commander to prevent his people from rushing to their doom. Even among the leaders of the voices of malcontents had grown loud. Asarya and Michael, with their sons, who grudged the power of Moses and Aaron, had even gone from one to another, to try to persuade them, ere departing, to summon the elders again, and charge them to enter into fresh negotiations with the Egyptians. While these malcontents were successfully gathering adherents, and the traitor had sought the commander of the Egyptian garrison, two more messengers arrived with tidings that the fugitives would arrive in Sukkoth between midnight and morning. Breathless, speechless, dripping with perspiration and with bleeding lips, 
the elder messenger sank on the threshold of aminadab's house now the home of miriam also both the exhausted men were refreshed with wine and food ere the least wearied was fully capable of speech then in a hoarse voice but with a heart overflowing with gratitude and ardent enthusiasm he reported the scenes which had occurred at the exodus and how the god of their fathers had filled every heart with his spirit and instilled new faith into the souls of the cowards miriam had listened to this story with sparkling eyes at its close she flung her veil over her head and bade the servants of the household who had assembled around the messengers to summon the whole hebrew people under the sycamore whose broad summit the growth of a thousand years protected a wide space of earth from the scorching sunbeams the desert wind was still blowing but the glad news seemed to have destroyed the baneful power it exerted on man and when many hundreds of people had flocked together under the sycamore miriam had given her hand to eleazar the son of her brother aaron sprung upon the bench which rested against the huge hollow trunk of the tree raised her hands and eyes towards heaven in an ecstasy and began in a loud voice to address a prayer to the lord as if she beheld him with her earthly vision then she permitted the messenger to speak and when the latter again described the events which had occurred in the city of rameses and then announced that the fugitives from tanis would arrive in a few hours loud shouts of joy burst from the throng eleazar the son of aaron proclaimed with glowing enthusiasm what the lord had done for his people and had promised to them their children and children's children each word from the lips of the inspired speaker fell upon the hearts of the hebrews like the fresh dew of morning on the parched grass the trusting hearers pressed around him and miriam with shouts of joy and the drooping courage of the timorous appeared to put forth new wings asaria michael and their followers no longer murmured nay most of them had been infected by the general enthusiasm and when a hebrew mercenary stole out from the garrison of the storehouse and disclosed what had been betrayed to his commander eleazar nashon her and others took counsel together gathered all the shepherds around them and with glowing words urged them to show in this hour that they were men indeed and did not fear with their god's mighty aid to fight for their people and their liberty there was no lack of axes clubs sickles brazen spears heavy staves slings the shepherds weapons of defence against the wild beasts of the desert or bows and arrows and as soon as a goodly number of strong men had joined him her fell upon the egyptian overseers who were watching the labor of several hundred hebrew slaves shouting they are coming down with the oppressors the lord our god is our leader they rushed upon the libyan warders put them to rout and released their fellows who were digging the earth and laying bricks as soon as the illustrious nashon had pressed one of the oldest of these hapless men like a brother to his heart the other liberated bondsmen had flung themselves into the shepherd's arms and thus still shouting they are coming and the lord the god of our fathers is our leader they pressed forward in an increasing multitude when at last the little band of shepherds had grown to a body of several thousand men her led them against the egyptian soldiers whom they largely outnumbered 
the egyptian bowmen had already discharged a shower of arrows and stones hurled from the slings of the powerful shepherds had dealt fatal wounds in the front ranks of the foe when the blast of a trumpet rang out summoning the garrison of the fortress behind the sloping walls and solid door the hebrews seemed to the commander too superior a force to fight but duty required him to hold the fort until the arrival of the reinforcements he had requested her however had not been satisfied with his first victory success had kindled the courage of his followers as a sharp gust of wind fans the smouldering fire and wherever an egyptian showed himself on the battlements of the storehouse the round stone from the shepherd's sling struck heavily upon him at nashon's bidding ladders had been brought and in the twinkling of an eye hundreds climbed up the building from every direction and after a short bloodless struggle the granaries fell into the hebrews hands though the egyptians had succeeded in still retaining the fort during the passage of these events the desert wind had subsided some of the liberated bondsmen furious with rage had heaped straw wood and faggots against the gate of the courtyard into which the egyptians had been forced it would have been a light task for the assailants to destroy every one of their foes by fire but her nashon and other prudent leaders had not suffered this to be done lest the provisions still in the storerooms should be burned it had been no easy matter in truth to deter the younger of the ill-treated bondsmen from this act of vengeance but each one was a member of some family and when hers admonitions were supported by those of the fathers and mothers they not only allowed themselves to be pacified but aided the elders to distribute the contents of the magazines among the heads of the families and pack them on the beasts of burden and into the carts which were to accompany the fugitives the work went forward amid the broad glare of torches and became a new festival for neither her nashon nor eleazar could prevent the men and women from opening the wine jars and skins they succeeded however in preserving the lion's share of the precious booty for a time of need and thus averted much drunkenness though the spirit of the grape-juice and the pleasure in obtaining so rich a prize doubtless enhanced the grateful excitement of the throng when eleazar finally went among them for the second time to tell them of the promised land men and women listened with uplifted hearts and joined in the hymn miriam began to sing devout enthusiasm now took possession of every heart in succoth as it had done in tanis during the hour that preceded the exodus and when seventy hebrew men and women who had concealed themselves in the temple of tomb heard the jubilant hymn they came forth into the open air joined the others and packed their possessions with as much glad hopefulness and warm trust in the god of their fathers as if they had never shrunk from the departure as the stars sank lower in the heavens the joyous excitement increased men and women thronged the road to tanis to meet their approaching kindred many a father led his boy by the hand and many a mother carried her child in her arms the multitude drawing near contained numerous beloved relatives to be greeted and the coming dawn could not fail to bring solemn hours of which one would wish no beloved heart to be deprived and which would linger in the souls of the little ones till they themselves had children and grandchildren no bed in tent hovel or house was occupied for everywhere the final packing was going on the throng of workers at the granaries had lessened 
most of them were now supplied with as much food as they could carry men and women equipped for travelling lay around fires hurriedly lighted in front of many tents and houses and in the larger farms shepherds were driving the cattle and slaughtering the oxen and sheep which were unable to go with the people the blows of axes and hammers and the creaking of saws were heard in front of many a house for litters to transport the sick and feeble must be made carts and wains were still to be loaded and the heads of families had a hard task with the women for a woman's heart often clings more closely to things apparently worthless than to those of the greatest value when the weaver rebecca was more eager to find room in the cart for the rude cradle in which her darling had died than for the beautiful ebony chest inlaid with ivory an egyptian had pawned to her husband who could blame her light shone from all the window openings and tent doors while from the roofs of the largest houses the blaze of torches or lanterns greeted the approaching hebrews at the banquet served on the night of the harvest festival no table had lacked a roast lamb during this hour of waiting the housewife offered her family what she could the narrow streets of the humble little town were full of active life and never had the setting star shone upon features so cheerful eyes sparkling so brightly with enthusiasm and faces so transfigured by hope and devout piety End of chapter eleven